0: Everyone, welcome back to the Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran. And you are a mystic, or certainly a mystic in training. We're happy to have you listening. This is the show where we talk about spirituality, meditation, mindfulness, and all kinds of other really cool stuff Basically the unseen and otherworldly side of life We know that material life is here Physical life is here We're all living it And at the same time There's so so many aspects of our life That we don't see anything We can't see it with our eyes We can't grab it in our hands It's our emotions, it's our spirit, it's our essence, it's our love, and those are the most important things of life. So this show is all about discussing those topics and questions and with a special emphasis on the practical application of knowledge. I mean, it's nice to talk about things and it's nice to gain some knowledge, but if you never put it into practice, then then what good is it? So we like to talk about the things we're doing in our lives and things that are working, things that are not working. So maybe we can help others who are, who are on the path as well, who may need some help and have some questions. I know I've been on the path for many years, and I still have a lot of questions. And there's no other way to get them answered except to gain more knowledge, read books, talk to other people, listen to The Mystic Show, (laughs) and hopefully we can all move forward on the, the path to greater spiritual achievement. Of course... Spirituality, in, in the way this show talks about it, is um, not just religion. It's, it's re- it could be part of religion, but it's definitely beyond religion as well. So, our website is themysticshow.net, and we have a phone number here, so you can call me live on the show and uh, ask me a question, or share your experience. By the way, we do the show live every weekday morning at 7am Eastern Time, and we replay the same show later that day at 8pm and then at 1am all Eastern Time. So if you can hear the live show, that's great. You can call in, uh, or if you hear a replay, you can enjoy the replay, and... This week I will be setting up the podcast so that will be like an archive so there'll be all the past shows will be there for you to browse and uh and listen to and comment on as well. So the phone number here is 973-498-8033. 973-498-8033. And I had a great guest last Friday. I'm not sure if you heard the show. Um, Well, this morning is Monday morning. uh, But Friday, we had Maria Montadakis on the show. And I don't know if you've heard that. I really need to get this podcast going because few people already asked me to hear what she had to say. She really shared a lot of good experience and um, so many little insights and she does it in such a natural way. It's not, you know, preachy or religious or, you know, abstract. It's all very real, very day to day, simple. You can understand it, and really, you could apply it pretty easily. So, so my weekend was pretty good. Um, did a fair amount of meditation. Which was which is always nice. Got some work done. Um, so, if you had any spiritual experiences this weekend, or any any life changing experiences, really, um, give us a call. Again, themysticshow.net. That's the uh, website, and all the information is there as well. So, let's jump right in. You know, I was preparing to read from the book we're reading from, which is Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. He is one of my favorite mystics, and he's written, I think, 15 or 16 or 17 books in his life, and I've read, actually, I've only read three or four of them, I have another one ready to read, but I didn't read it yet. Uh, but they're just amazing books about life and, and spirituality and wisdom. So we've been reading from Byways of Blessedness. It's actually one of my favorite books by James Allen, Byways of Blessedness. And we're reading from chapter three, which is called Transcending Difficulties and Perplexities. Uh, I read... I started this chapter on Friday and, you know, he's talking about how in life we all come up against difficulties and perplexities. And these are usually the things that throw us off kilter. They sort of mess us up or throw us off balance. And sometimes they set, they begin a chain of events that leads to some other problems. Like we talked about, if you're, if you if you wake up and you don't feel so good and you stub your toe and uh, you spill coffee on yourself in the car and, you know, you're not going to be feeling so great. And uh, and so then when you get to the office, you might get in an argument with someone, maybe your boss, and that's not good. So anyhow, we all, we come up against circumstances and situations every day, every moment, And he's talking about how to transcend difficulties and perplexities. So I'll continue reading from Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. There are ways of conduct which end inevitably in complications and perplexities. And there are ways of conduct which lead just as inevitably. Out of troublesome complexities. Howsoever tightly a man may have bound himself round, he can always unbind himself. Into whatsoever morasses of trouble and trackless wastes of perplexity he may have ignorantly wandered, he can always find his way out again, can always recover the lost highway of uninvolved simplicity, which leads straight and clear, to the sunny city of wise and blessed action. But he will never do this by sitting down and weeping in despair, nor by complaining and worrying and aimlessly wishing he were differently situated. His dilemma calls for alertness, logical thought, and calm calculation. His position requires that he shall strongly command himself, that he shall think and search and rouse himself to strenuous and unremitting exertion in order to regain himself. Worry and anxiety only serve to heighten the gloom and exaggerate the magnitude of the difficulty if he will but quietly take himself to task and retrace in thought the more or less intricate way by which he has come to his present position, he will soon perceive where he made mistakes. will discover those places where he took a false turn and where a little more thoughtfulness, judgment, economy, or self-denial would have saved him. He will see how, step by step, he has involved himself, and how a riper judgment and clearer wisdom would have enabled him to take an altogether different and truer course. Having proceeded thus far, and extracted from his past conduct this priceless grain of golden wisdom, his difficulty will already have assumed less impregnable proportions. And he will then be able to bring to bear upon it the searchlight of dispassionate thought, to thoroughly anatomize it, to comprehend it in all its details, and to perceive the relation which those details bear to the motive source of action and conduct within himself. This being done, the difficulty will have ceased. For the straight way out of it will plainly appear, and the man will thus have learned, for all time, his lesson. He will have gained an item of wisdom and a measure of blessedness of which he can never again be deprived. Just as there are ways of ignorance, selfishness, folly, and blindness which end in confusion and perplexity, so there are ways of knowledge, self-denial, wisdom, and insight which lead to pleasant and peaceful consummations. He who knows this will meet difficulties in a courageous spirit and, in overcoming them, will evolve truth out of error bliss out of pain, and peace out of perturbation. No man can be confronted with a difficulty which he has not the strength to meet and subdue. Worry is not merely useless, it is folly, for it defeats that power and intelligence which is otherwise equal to the task. Every difficulty can be overcome if rightly dealt with. Anxiety is, therefore, unnecessary. The task which cannot be overcome ceases to be a difficulty and becomes an impossibility. And anxiety is still unnecessary, for there is only one way of dealing with an impossibility, namely To submit to it. The inevitable is the best. And just as domestic, social, and economic difficulties are born of ignorance and lead to riper knowledge, so every religious doubt, every mental perplexity, every heart beclouding shadow presages greater spiritual gain, is prophetic of a brighter dawn of intelligence for him on whom it falls it is a great day in the life of a man though at the time he knows it not when bewildering perplexities concerning the mystery of life take possession of his mind for it signifies that his era of dead indifference of animal sloth of mere vegetative happiness has come to an end, and that henceforth he is to live as an aspiring, self-evolving being. No longer a mere human animal, he will now begin to live as a man, exerting all his mental energies to the solution of life's problems, to the answering of those haunting perplexities which are the sentinels of truth and which stand at the gate and threshold of the temple of wisdom. All right, I'll stop there for today. And wow, we're going to maybe recap some of those quotes, but we'll just take a really quick short break. <laughs> Sunday afternoon out there by the whole A and b barefoot in the sun and a soul playing with the big mass band with all thank you to Grayson Caps for this song here washboard Lisa it's actually from the movie um, called A Love Song for Bobby Long, which is a very interesting movie, actually. I mean, I like it. I don't know why I like it, but it's the characters in it, I guess, are pretty interesting, right? Each each human is like a snowflake. We're all different. We're all unique and special. We all have our strengths. Actually, that's one of the topics we're going to talk about today a little bit later. Um, so, we're all different. We're all special. But at the same time, at our core, at our spiritual core, we're all the same. Exactly the same, not just sort of the same. So, I'd like to know what you think of the the this James Allen passage I just read. I mean, Let's see. What are some of the some of these tremendous quotes here? Well, first of all, when he says that when something ceases, if you can't overcome a difficulty, it it may become an impossibility. And then at that point, the only way to handle it is to subdue, submit to it. And he this this line here at the end of that paragraph, the inevitable is the best. I mean that's. That's intense, right? Because you don't have to make a choice then. The choice is already made. So you don't have to have any anxiety or worry or anything. It's inevitable. That's it. <laughs> so. And then at, then he ends this little passage by basically saying, um, it is a great day in the life of a man, though at the time he knows it not. When bewildering perplexities concerning the mystery of life take possession of his mind for it signifies that his era of dead indifference of animal sloth of mere vegetative happiness has come to an end and that henceforth he is to live as an aspiring self-evolving being no longer a mere human animal he will now he will now begin to live as a man exerting all his mental energies to the solutions of life's problems. So, right? Isn't that how it happens, I think, in life when a person, when they have the biggest tragedies in their life or the biggest problems, those, that's what drives them toward spirit or towards being or whatever you want to call it. Because when life is good, and everything's happy, and everything's great, and you have enough money, and you have enough food, and you have enough of everything—even more than enough. Then we sort of we can get lulled into comfort and just forget everything, just watch TV or something. But when life and the universe throw some difficulties and perplexities our way. That's when we kind of wake up and and say, man, what is this? (laughs) Why did this happen? And, And then, of course, the famous sentiment, there's got to be more to life than this. And that's what James Allen is saying. When you get to that point, that is a great day in your life. Though at the time you may you may not know it, <laughs> that's what he says. Right? It's so hard to judge ourselves and see ourselves, um, and really know in the moment what's good for us. But there is a way to do that, and that is called faith. And that's what that's what I'd like to talk about now: faith and i don't i don't know again i was grown i was raised catholic in the catholic church and you know taught about jesus and all the the bible a little you know we i went to sunday school so we learned had to read the bible and talk about it and learn about it um and by the way i'll just re- relate that i think when i was in 8th grade i had sunday school so, you know, so every Sunday we'd go up to um it actually took place in an elementary school um our church. We actually our church met in an elementary school. So we had the service, the church service in the cafeteria and they would set up the stage and set up the chairs and everything. And I think it was either before or after the the service we would we would have our Sunday school class, so you'd go into a classroom and you'd have a teacher, and you'd, you know, do all kinds of different things, read the Bible and talk about things and learn about the sacraments and whatever. And when I was in eighth grade, I had a teacher, I think his name was Mike, his name was Mike, I don't remember his last name, I could probably figure that out if I had to, although, geez, now you're talking... 27 years ago anyway his name was Mike and this was the first teacher I had in with with regard to religion or spirituality or anything of that nature who was a little bit bold he he was willing to say like like some of the miracle stories in the Bible he was willing to say you know to face up to the truth and be bold and say, well, look, what really happened? Like with the loaves and the fishes, when Jesus apparently fed the multitude with, what was it, two loaves and five fishes or something? Or five fish, five loaves and two fishes? And he fed a multitude of people, and it was, you know, that's hailed in Christianity as a miracle that Jesus performed. But our teacher, Mike, was like, you know what, let's think about that. How did that happen? And let's look into it. Let's look deeper into it. Not just be awed that there was some miracle and that this magic man Jesus was doing some miracles. But, I mean, maybe he was. But hey, let's look deeper. Let's try and get some meaning out of it that we can actually use in our life. And basically he said at the time of Jesus that people used to I can't remember what he called it but it was like they would keep some bread like in their in their belt like it was almost like the the modern day fanny pack but uh they would have some bread in there and as they would walk around and the bread would like ferment a little or you know I don't know what I don't know how to cook bread but um yeah so they would all have it like on their person basically they'd all have a little bit of bread so, Mike, my, my Sunday school teacher, basically said, look, maybe what happened was that they started passing around the basket with the, with the two loaves and five fishes, and instead of everyone taking from the basket, some people actually put their own bread into the basket. And, you know, as an eighth grade kid, I was like, wow, that, yeah, that explains it. Or that could explain it, right? I mean, we don't know we don't know what really happened, but it's interesting to think about. What if that happened? And everybody sort of put in their own little Some people who did not have any bread, they maybe they took some. Other people who had more than enough, maybe they put some back in. And in that fashion, they were able to feed the multitude. And there were other stories too that he sort of challenged a little bit and gave Gave a more practical, realistic spin on, um, and and I remember being in his class. I used to love his class. I would I would like going to his class because he was he didn't just want to be, blindly believe in I don't know what almost seemed to me like a superstition or maybe you know. Maybe a better word to use would be um, uh, a myth or a, I don't know what to call it, but something sort of otherworldly that doesn't really apply to us. So I, I I don't really find any help in stories like that, that are about higher beings that are way beyond us, that are up in heaven, that you'll never get there and... That's what they're doing, but you're here, you're a sinner. You need to repent. Obviously, that's the whole sort of, sort of attitude that made me stop going to church and to take the path of the mystic, become a mystic in training. Because I like the way my teacher, Mike, he break it down into, into practical a practical way of looking at it. And not he wasn't dismissing what the Bible said or dismissing that it was a miracle. He wasn't dismissing any of that. He was just going deeper into it. He was opening up a discussion about it and he wasn't afraid to say, "Hey, maybe this is what really happened." Whereas we find when religions and um and other places around the world where they have gurus that people are afraid to speak up. In fact, I just started researching one of the major gurus from India and I was pretty much shocked to f- what I found out. Um, I mean, there's no need to go into it because everybody is following their own thing and everyone thinks they're following the right thing and that's okay. And everyone's on their own journey. So let them go and let me go. <laughs> and I'm I'm all for that. Um, but it's interesting when There's clearly signs of, I want to say foul play, but there's there's things that deserve to be questioned, but a lot of times people don't question it because they're afraid to ask the question. They're afraid to come off as a non-believer or someone who doesn't have faith, where the path of the mystic is someone who questions everything and who wants to get to the truth. You know, the truth is more important to the mystic than a religion. And why is that? Because religion was created by man, and the truth was created by the universe, or him, or whatever, God. So it brings up an interesting point that a lot of things in our life are man-made, I mean, God created the earth, right? The land and the oceans and the air, right? None of us created that. Somehow that just was created. You can attribute it to God or the universe, whatever you want. doesn't matter. But did God create uh, the piece of land called New Jersey? Did God put a demarcation line on the on the ground and say, okay, this is New Jersey. That's Pennsylvania. Did God do that? No. We did that. And we did it for good reason because we have to live and we have to, you know, we have different areas and it it's just practical. No problem, but we did it. So, it's a good it's almost a can be help can be a helpful way to look at things to say, "Okay, who created that? Was it God or was it us?" And you you already guessed it. Everything that God creates is good and natural and simple. And what we create, well, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. That's a very interesting distinction. So faith, what I wanted to talk about faith was that faith not in a religious sense, but faith in the sense that I I often think about this, like, There's so much food in the world and shelter and everything. Like, Some people are actually afraid of becoming homeless, and and some people are homeless, and I understand that, which, you know, maybe that's part of their journey. I don't know. But, But even if you were homeless, what does that really mean? I mean, you can still be a spiritual person. You can still have love in your heart. And probably, if you had love in your heart and you showed it, you probably wouldn't be homeless for long. So the point is, faith to me means faith in the universe, faith that whatever happens to me is good for me. Whatever I need, the universe will provide. And the ultimate, uh, the ultimate faith is that when when it's my time to go that's the right time to go right that's the ultimate faith that if when it's my time to die that's it it's my time and that's must be good it must be good because how could it be bad for me i mean you the listener you you're on the path of the mystic you understand that that life isn't about the money and the the fast food and the casinos Niagara Falls right but we can get caught up in thinking that oh my life you know well the the narrow, narrow narrower view is that oh this is my life and once i lose once my life is over i lost everything that's a very materialistic superficial way of viewing your life most people view it that way actually but true faith says whatever is good for me i mean whatever happens to me is going to be good for me and you then like james allen says on when he talks about transcending difficulties and perplexities we have to use our own intelligence and wisdom to overcome a lot of this stuff, instead of becoming anxious and worrying and basically making ourselves powerless. So that's just a little about faith. What do you think about faith? You're listening to The Mystic Show, and you should call me. I'm Chris Curran. You should call me at 973-498-8033. 973 973- 498-8033, themysticshow.net has all the information, themysticshow.net, and I wanted to read a quick little little passage from this uh, 365 Tao book, uh, Daily Meditations by Deng Ming Dao. I think I, I read for some of this, uh, or from this book last week. It's really a good book. It actually has one entry for every day of the year. That's why it's called 365 Tao. And today's... Actually, I'm going to read yesterday's. Because it's it's about the autumn and everything. So, And it's called cleansing. Right? So, again, first there's like a little poem-like thing. And then there's two paragraphs of like an explanation. So, I'll go ahead and read it. Early autumn rain cleanses away... Smeared heat A grateful traveler Takes in Crystal skies And crisp air Distant mountains Seem more vast and blue And the sound of the waterfall Grows more loud Autumn is coming The air becomes fresh and crisp The fruits of summer Are being harvested And the heat of labor is beginning to cool. There is a more relaxed feeling in the air. The fiery activity of summer is replaced by the celebrations of autumn. In spring, we all had to struggle to make the ascendancy of the year. In summer, we reveled in the glory of fire and vigor. Now, we can begin to let things relax. Just as the pumpkins are beginning to fill out, the squash is hanging heavy and golden on the vines, and the leaves are starting to hint of warm colors. So too can we look forward to mellowness and quietness. This is the time for harvest, but every planting and growing season also leaves behind excess and inevitable waste. The dust of summer still lingers the stubble in the fields will have to be burned. We must harvest fully and then clean up fully. Harvest is also the time of cleansing and taking stock. So there you go. Autumn is the time of cleansing and taking stock. That's definitely something that a mystic does very often, right? takes stock or has an awareness of of his reality at that moment we'll just take a quick break Thanks to Tool for the interlude. That's a parable. So, speaking of cleansing and taking stock, I want to tell you about Pause Your Life. I'm not sure if you heard about this yet. Pause Your Life is an organization that does meetups and retreats that basically help people hit the pause button on their life. I mean, so many people I meet say that life is just crazy. The craziness of day-to-day life is relentless, and they just wish they could stop the madness, you know? Stop the ride. I want to get off type thing. Well, Pause Your Life provides that. It's that time. It's an organization that helps people just be yourself. Don't be anything else. Don't be a mom, a daughter, a grandmom, a worker, a friend, you know, a laundry person. Don't be anything. Just be yourself as a human being for either a couple hours or a couple days. The the meetups are a couple hours. The retreats are a couple days. And the website is pauseyourlife.org. Pauseyourlife.org. There's a lot of cool blog posts there as well. And there's an email list you can sign up for. And guess what? You can get uh, a spiritual quote in your email box every morning. It's, it's a very inspirational quote. It'll make you think. And guess what? It makes you or helps you pause. Maybe for a couple minutes. Maybe for 30 seconds. But these little pauses are very important. The, um, the tagline for Pause Your Life well, unofficial tagline is the spaces between the words are what give meaning to the sentence. I'll say that again. The spaces between the words are what give meaning to the sentence. So if all the words, if there was no spaces, if there was never a pause, you wouldn't be able to read a word, a sentence, a book, nothing. Nothing would have any meaning. It would just be a zillion letters in a row and that does doesn't do anybody any good. Well, it's funny, our lives sometimes get like that. We're just doing a zillion things in a row and we're, we we maybe we're not sure what we're doing anymore. So, pauseyourlife.org. So, there's another analogy I wanted to tell you about. You know, sometimes we talk about analogies And you should give me a call, by the way, themysticshow.net. If you're listening live, give me a call. We do the show live every weekday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And then we replay that show later that day at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern Time. And then we are going to podcast all the episodes very soon. So there'll be an archive of all the old episodes, previous episodes, I should say. Hopefully they'll never get old. <laughs> right? Defy aging. I think well, I think spirituality is probably the one subject that never gets old. I mean, even like, you know, in Roman times, with they had the uh you know, they had their way of cooking, their way of uh traveling, their automobiles, they You know, and all those things now are different. Now we have cars instead of chariots. You know, now we have microwave ovens instead of uh, maybe a certain type of fire pit. I don't know. So life changes, things change, but spirituality never changes. Isn't that interesting? So non-judgment. We talked a little bit about prejudice because I told you I was, I went to India for the seminar um basically a spiritual seminar where we did you know where uh, in my own life i used it as like a retreat like i again like almost like a pause your life retreat where i just went away and i said i'm not uh, i'm disconnecting from life and i'm just going to meditate and relax um anyway the topic of the seminar was uh prejudice is the biggest obstacle to spiritual growth. And so non-judgment is like the opposite of prejudice, right? So non-judgment is maybe looking at something or reading something or hearing something and not judging it. There's a big difference between judging and observing. You can observe something but not judge it. You can even evaluate something and not judge it. I mean, this happens every day in schools across the world, right? Kids take a test. There's a math test. And the teacher gets the test back and she grades the paper. Is she judging the child? Is the teacher judging the child or is the teacher evaluating the child? Well, we know. The teacher's just evaluating the child. And whatever the child needs to learn better, the teacher will address that. The teacher doesn't get back a paper that a failing grade and say, oh, this student is useless. They'll never be anything. (laughs) They're stupid. I mean, that would be horrible. That's some pretty serious judgment, especially when it's against a child who's just trying to learn. Hopefully they're trying to learn. I guess when people really don't want to learn that that's a whole different story, but and I'm sure there's quite a bit of that as well. So non-judgment uh, and obviously the biggest place this enters our lives is when we talk to other people or when we interact with other people, or when we have neighbors, <laughs> and maybe our neighbors are a different race of people, different color, different religion. You know, maybe you're driving down the road and someone's driving really badly and you say, oh, it's probably a woman. Right? I've never said that, by the way. (laughs) I've never said... Well, there's no recording of it anyway, so there's no proof. Anyway. Hopefully we outgrow that kind of stuff. And, um... By the way, driving... I'm going to come up with a whole we're we we might spend a whole show on the the spiritual analogies of driving a car in New Jersey. <laughs> okay, anywhere. Because dri- I don't know, I've been driving for many years, more than 20 years, and you observe so much on the road, how people operate, how to do the right thing, how to not get upset, how to be giving instead of always taking. It's it, I, I don't know. I think you come across so many valuable lessons and principles when you're out driving around. Um, I'm, I'm going to come up with all those analogies and principles, and, and I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to do a whole show about that. The spiritual, what did I say? The spiritual principles of driving or spiritual analogies. Anyway, so non-judgment. Uh, there's an analogy here. Think of a, a builder. Think of someone who's building uh, an office building, right? Well, they have all different materials they need, right? They need some concrete. They need some steel. They need some wood. They need some glass. They need doors and windows. They need, you know, aluminum. They need, they use all kinds of different materials. And... You know, each material has its strength and its weakness, right? Like you would never use glass where you, would, where you should use aluminum or use aluminum where you should use glass. I mean, first of all, in a window, you can see through glass. You can't see through aluminum and light can't get in. So that's just stupid. And when it comes to a structural item, aluminum has some strength, But glass might not have that much strength, so maybe the whole building might fall down if you use a piece of glass where you should use aluminum. I mean, this is just common sense, obviously. But each material has its strength and weakness. But the builder doesn't, you know, judge the aluminum and say, oh, you are a bad material. You're just probably one of the worst materials on earth because you don't even... Let light pass through you. No one can see through you. Right? I mean, come on, that's just ridiculous. So the builder knows the strength and weakness of all the different items and he uses them accordingly. And he's not, he's not, he's very non judgmental. It's just evaluating, it's very logical and simple. And he doesn't get, you know, emotionally involved that, you know, Sunlight can't pass through aluminum. You know, that doesn't keep him up at night. <laughs> Crying on his pillow about that. So that's how people are, if you think about it. We're all different. We all have our strength and weakness. And we're all not filling the same role. We're all here for different reasons. I mean, some people... some. Men are very strong and stout and muscular and they like to work outdoors and they like to lift heavy things. And they make good construction workers. Right? And, for instance, me, I'm not like that. (laughs) I'm not that kind of person. I'm not sure what kind of person I am, actually, but (laughs) I know I'm not that kind of person. But, so I may be a little different. Maybe I'm a little more... Well, I'm into recording. I'm into having a radio show. I'm into recording podcasts and and audio. Okay, so that's me. I can I could I have a very good ear. I can distinguish sounds very well and I can mix things so they sound good. Okay, so that's my strength. But that doesn't make the construction worker a bad person or it doesn't make me a bad person, right? We're each filling our role in the world. We're just doing what we're doing. And so there there really should be no judgment there. Unfortunately, in the modern world, with all this importance on money and making money, and it's almost like a one-pointed one focus that everything's about money. And you can basically judge people by how much money they make. So the rich man is great and the homeless person is dirt. You know, that's how we can judge it. Especially here in America where some people are very rude to the homeless people, you know. They might they just would yell at the homeless people, say get a job, you know? Because the homeless people might ask him for money and they'll just say get a job. You know, so it's very heartless and you know I mean, it's not that they're wrong. Look, you need to be—you need to do something to live, and and some of the homeless people might be lazy. Okay, fine, but but still, it doesn't because someone doesn't have money doesn't mean they're a they're a lesser of a human being. We have to look into their heart, right? Like we talked about saying the the whole saying namaste and what that means. So that's a little bit about non judgment. I mean, again, it's so when you talk about it, this is another one of those subjects. When you talk about it, it's so simple, so common sense, so easy to understand. Yet we go out in the real world and we just don't know how to do it. We get caught up, we get sucked into our old habits. But the mystic. And the saint. They don't get sucked into old habits or old ways, right? The mystics and the saints—they seem to be a cut above the average person. And again, not a judgment, just an just an observation, just an evaluation. So, so non judgment, and it's funny. Um, I found an example in one of the, I was reading some of the literature from the meditation practice I do, and um, Chariji said that, uh, he said, think about if you go up to a, you know, a king usually stays in the castle, right? In his kingdom, in the castle. But if you, let's say you walk up to a hut, like a cheap little flimsy hut, you know, you shouldn't judge that and say, oh, the, this is just a hut. This is useless. There might be a king inside that hut. How do you know? You don't know until you go inside and you look. Okay, just because a king usually stays in a castle doesn't mean he, he's not in a hut. So we shouldn't judge the hut and say, oh, this is just a piece of garbage. This is worthless. No one, would ever, no one of any importance would ever come here. That's not true. And it reminded me of the movie uh, Braveheart, which, obviously, one of the greatest movies ever made, in my opinion. And that reminds me, I want to do a segment on this show about movies, because I was given a speaking engagement the other day, and I happened to mention uh, the movie Gattaca, which is another, easily, one of my top five movies of all time. Gattaca. So anyway, I want to talk about these movies and um and hopefully <laughs> hopefully I can get someone on the phone to talk with me about that. That's all right. I have faith. <laughs> so anyway, in the movie Braveheart, he um remember the um the princess? Was it the princess? Yeah, the princess. Uh, she goes to see William Wallace when he was in um, I forget what that that city was. He just oh York. I think he sacked York, and the king was all afraid, so he sent the uh, the princess to go talk to William Wallace. And she came, and she came in like a almost like a a horse drawn wagon, and they set up like a little tent. And it, of course, it looked like a royal tent. You know, it was re- pretty nice. And, um, so, and then someone went to the city and told William Wallace, Hey, the, you know, the princess is here to talk to you. And they brought William Wallace out to this tent. And I was like, see, it's just a tent, but there's a princess in there. That's royalty. So this goes back to what, this goes back to seeing beyond the material world and seeing into the hearts of people seeing the beauty there you know there's got to be beauty there the question is can you see it so right so next time you see a hut or a tent there may be a king inside there or the next time you see a person that looks maybe maybe down and out or sick there's a saint in there. There's a mystic in there. So we can definitely see that if we try. All right. Well, anyone want to call me? It's 973-498-8033. We got a couple minutes left here. Um Yeah, the other that that speaking engagement that I was doing the other day was for a group of professionals who are looking for a job. They're job searching or they're in transition. And you know, that that's a whole mindset in itself there because right again, it's all about the money. And if people aren't earning money, they feel worthless. It's like, Oh, if you're not earning money, you're literally worthless. What good are you on this planet? You're not earning money. I mean that's the that's like the attitude we have, especially here in America, especially here in the Northeast New York City area. so it's hard i I mean I, I gave them a presentation about the power of the mind, the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and also our six mental muscles, which no one even knows they have i I even stopped asking groups. Does anyone here know what their six mental muscles are? <laughs> no one knows. Do you know? <laughs> well, call up and ask me if you want to know. <laughs> Anyhow, so anyway, the whole idea is that as human beings, we have, we have been endowed with wonderful gifts and powers, and we don't always, we don't hardly ever acknowledge it we're too busy worrying about earning our money and judging other people and yelling at someone on the road. Anyway, I'm glad you could hang out with me this morning or today and, and hear this show. I hope some of these concepts are helpful and I'd love to get your comments and feedback. Um, so go to the mystic and, um, Yeah, let me know what what your six mental muscles are. (laughs) I'd be interested to, uh, to see what six things you write down. So as always, I appreciate your listening. And now it's time for us all to go out into the world. Meet with other people. Talk with other people. And maybe we can just not be so intellectual and judgmental. Maybe we can speak from the heart. Maybe we can honor the love and the divinity in the other person's heart. And see how that feels. So, I wish you the best. Keep shining.